And we're going to keep talking about promise. I love to talk about promise. It's just one of the best subjects to talk about. How many of you know this morning you've got a promise in God? Say, I don't feel very promised. Well, isn't it good to know? It doesn't matter how you feel. You're still promised in God. He has, he has great, the Bible says, great and precious promises that He has released upon all of His children, all of His people. And we need to understand how that comes to pass in our life. I can remember growing up, especially when I was probably in elementary school in those particular years and Christmas would be coming, man, I'd be jazzed. How many of you know when you're a kid and it's Christmas, it's like, this is too good. I mean, it's like, this is when the hall's coming. I mean, you, you know, and, and we played Santa. I know a lot of people have, you know, whatever conviction about Santa. Just don't get, just don't get on Santa's case with me, okay? All right? If, if, you, if, you, want, if, you, if you want to be against something, there's so many things in the world you can be against. Don't, don't choose Santa, all right? He's just a dude trying to be generous to other people. So we played, we played Santa. And I, and I can remember the night before Christmas morning, because my mom was a real stickler. You didn't open gifts before Christmas morning. And, and I mean, she was such a stickler that you, you, we, we couldn't be downstairs before 7 a.m. I can see some of you don't have that rule in your house. But I tell you, in my house, it was a 7 a.m. rule. Now, I had cousins who'd get their folks up at about 4 a.m., I used to think that way. I wish I lived in their house. I mean, that's how I felt during Christmas. But we had like a 7 a.m. rule, and it didn't matter. We were, we were up about 4 or 5 a.m., and we were just watching the clock tick off <laughs> until it was 7 o'clock, and, man, we were ready to roll. And everybody had to go down at the same time, and we had all these special rules and traditions and things we had to just do in order that we could, you know, get to the presence. And, and there, there's no greater time than Christmas. And I guess a part of the sad part of getting older, I don't know it's sad, I guess I enjoy now being able to give. At that time, I enjoyed receiving, though, a lot. <laughs> I enjoyed getting all that stuff. It was, it was just remarkable. And, of course, it switched, and, and now I enjoy giving and watching uh, my children, although I'm finding out as they get older, the, the bill goes up and up and up and up. But there's some, isn't there something about when you receive something you're just really wanting? Isn't there something that when, when, when you open that package up and it's what you'd hoped for and you have been dreaming for and it suddenly shows up? And I can remember so many packages through the years that were what I had desired and what I had hoped for and all of a sudden it shows up and there's just no feeling like that feeling you get when, when you receive that thing that you so hoped you would get. Well, here's the good news. Now, now God is not like Santa, but... But God is faithful concerning his promises. God wants you to walk into in some things and, and really have some things and experience some things that he really wants to get to you. And, and the key to it all is, is that you've got to believe and you've got to have faith. The Bible says this in James. It says that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. In him there is no variation or shadow of turning. And, and so we just need to understand that God wants to release good stuff to us. He wants to do great, exceedingly abundant things in our lives. 
But last week, did we not talk about that along with the promise comes what? A battle, remember? I wish I could tell you it came just easy, stress-free, no worry. God just sovereignly just sort of deals it all out. I wish I could tell you that, but it's not true. That if you have a promise in God, if you have something that he has for you and he desires for you, there is going to be a contending or a battle that takes place with that. How many of you know this morning, you would just know intuitively that if God wanted to do something great in your life, if he had, if he had a kingdom purpose for you, if there was something that he could release to you that would be not only of value to your household, but be of value to his kingdom and his work, how many of you know today that that could really irritate the enemy? I mean, it could, it could mobilize the forces of darkness just like that. And sure enough, it does oftentimes. Which is why you seem to warrant so much attention from the enemy and your neighbor who doesn't love Jesus doesn't seem to get all that much. It's because you're the one that can do damage to the kingdom of darkness. And so last week we talked about how we battle before our promises and how there's a contending that takes place and how we need to be a lot like Joseph and make sure we're steady and understand some of the attributes we need to have in order to go through that time. And we also talked about how Jesus himself represents to us a template or a pattern of how all of God's promises are revealed or unveiled or come to us. The Bible says that Jesus is the first fruit of many. In other words, he was the example. He was the prototype. He was the first of his kind to come and to begin to demonstrate or to model to us exactly how promise and destiny and purpose work in all of our lives. And, and I mentioned to you the simplicity pattern. Those of you ladies who are sewers, because I know not many men sew, but, but you may know how you get the folder out, the pattern. I mentioned how you put it on the material, you would cut it out, and if you're really good, and, and you could sew right, that eventually whatever was on front of the simplicity pattern or folder, you would eventually see manifested in your life. Well, that's how it works. Jesus is that template, that pattern. And if we begin to understand and function under certain precepts, that we'll begin to have what the Bible says we can have. And that's what we've been talking about in this Christmas season. Because if God will do certain things with his number one plan, if his number one plan is redemption, salvation, if his number one plan was to work reconciliation out into the world through his son, Jesus Christ, if that's his number one plan, and his number one plan, the thing he's banking everything on, because listen to me, all the promises of God are what? Yes and amen in Jesus Christ. So if he's banking his whole economy of the kingdom, if he's banking everything and every purpose he has in you on whether or not Jesus fulfills his promise, how many of you know Then it sure enough would seem to make sense that he would make sure that promise came to pass, that promise would find fulfillment, and indeed it did, but it was not without some principles, some precepts, and some things that surrounded it, that if we don't get a handle on that, we will never be able to walk in God's specific or unique promises for our life. So we've been talking about that. I love this subject. You can see I'm just talking with you this morning. When it comes to destiny or when it comes to purpose, you just wind me up. Just wind me up, turn me loose. Because this is one subject that's so important. God has a plan for your life. He has a destiny and a purpose for each one of you that he wants to fulfill. There's something uniquely special about you. 
that God designed you. He gave you special fingerprints. He gave you a unique DNA. He just made you, you. He, he gave some of us hair to comb and enjoy and others, you know, he just said, you don't have to worry about that, do it. I mean, we just don't have to worry about that, do we? We just don't have much to worry about there. Each of us unique and different. Because God has something that he wants to do in you and through you that will be redemptive and reach into the world. Amen. And so I I, I love talking about purpose and destiny. And this morning what we're going to talk about is how God unfolds that promise. How how will God do this? How will he unfold this thing in your life? Now I'm going to stick with the Christmas story because it is a template, it is an example of what he can do in all of our lives if you can pull the precept out of it. So Turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. I'm going to read to you the the Christmas story here, the familiar one out of Luke's Gospel. And uh, I believe that if you'll you'll really key in and ask the Holy Spirit to give you understanding, he's going to open some things up for your future here today. Luke 2, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Can I just stop there for just a minute? You, you know one of the things that I felt like the Lord spoke to me just not real long ago? That all the upheaval that's taking place right now in the Middle East, all the contending and the war and the battling that's happening is simply a natural manifestation of, of the forces of darkness seeking to extinguish God's purposes in the earth. I mean, I mean you can see every day on the cable news networks, in your newspaper... You can see a manifestation of a contending that is taking place in the earth for God's purposes. So don't be surprised when you're contending as well. You may not be in Iraq. You may be here in Charleston, South Carolina, friendliest city in the world, contending away because you're purposed. Verse 4, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because... He's of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. Don't you just love government? Verse 6. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, verse 8. There were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass. Everyone say, come to pass. pass. Say it again. You need to underline that. I mean, you may not feel like your promise has happened yet, but there'll be a day it will come to pass. Which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child, and all those who heard it marveled at those things 
which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. The familiar Christmas story and our lesson today is what I've entitled, How God's Promise Unfolds in Our Lives. The story I just read to you is the story we all know concerning the account of Jesus actually coming and finally being expressed or made manifest in the earth. We know the story of of Mary being overshadowed by God himself and becoming pregnant with child and having to go, as the scripture told us, to a place in order that they could be censused. They weren't just being counted, but the government was trying to figure out whether or not they were taxing everyone they were supposed to tax. And so, so they dutifully, as good citizens, went off to this place, not realizing the whole time. See, the government doesn't even realize it at that time as it, as it sends out this edict for everyone to be census and taxed. They don't even get it that they are actually being used by God in order to fulfill prophecy, in order to bring a promise to pass. Isn't that amazing? God can even use the government. Unbelievable. And so there they go. They go and you know the story. Jesus is born. Angels show up. Shepherds come to worship him. And the whole beautiful tale begins to unfold there in Luke's gospel with regards to the Christmas story. And, you know, sometimes I think we read the Christmas story so much that it has bred what I call familiarity. Have you ever heard the phrase that familiarity breeds contempt? Do you know what that means? What that means is this. It means that, that you, you've been around something or you've heard something or you know something and you're so familiar with it that it, you, lose it, you lose respect. You lo- it loses its power. It loses its influence. Familiarity. Sometimes that happens in relationship. You know, Trace and I, you know, we've been married coming up on 25 years and we, we, to be candid, it, it can happen in our relationship. We've been around each other for so long. We know each other so well. And we're so familiar with each other that oftentimes, how many of you know that your spouse can speak the words of God to you, but you're just so familiar, you miss it. Your friends can speak the voice of the Lord to you, but you're so familiar with them, you miss it. So familiarity breeds contempt. Can I just share this with you? You can... I'm not suggesting you should do a lot of changing in this area, believe me. But you can come to the same church all your life. And you can hear what all takes place. And, and you miss what God might be saying because familiarity has crept in. And, and so you, you're stolen from. You, you don't get what's happening at that particular moment. And so every now and then I think you have to consciously break familiarity. I mean, I used to laugh because you get a guest speaker coming in. And they'd speak, in fact, this last time when we had Brian Cagle come in, Brian actually preached almost the exact thing I did the week before. Now, I know many of you, you know, you got that and you understood that and you said, wow, God must be saying something in this particular area because Brian and I had no conversation with each other with regards to what was going to be said and he probably would have avoided it if he knew that I had already touched on that subject but nonetheless God was saying something there but it's really kind of interesting when you work with people because there'll be folks that'll come and say oh yeah yeah Brian was here and man what he said was revelational I'd never heard anything like that before in my life life changing and you know I'm just in there going great (laughs) And, and I understand that's how it works 
That's how it works. Your spouse can tell you something for years. And then you'll come in and counsel me, and I'll say it in five minutes, and you'll think it's the first time you ever heard it. So I understand how familiarity works. But that's what's happened to the Christmas story, is this familiarity. You, you hear it, and you listen to it. Culture celebrates it, and we have all the pictures and the nativity creches and all the things that take place. But we don't get the precept as to what God is doing in that particular situation. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about how promise unfolds in your life. And I'm going to go through this, and, and I'm hoping because, you know, I'm just sharing some things out of my heart with you. We can, we can do this in, in a fairly rapid way. But there are seven things, there are seven things that I want you to get a hold of out of the Christmas story with regards to how God's going to unfold his promise, your destiny, your purpose. You need to understand that if Jesus walked through these things and that's how it unfolded for him, it's going to happen for you too. So let's take a look at it. Guys, go ahead and flash that. Number one, how does God do that in our lives? How does he unfold certain things? Well, the first thing you need to realize is that God speaks the promise outcome first. If you have your Bibles, open it up to the book of Isaiah. I want to read you the famous prophecy concerning Christ's birth. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. You know these verses. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Listen. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And verse 7 is the promised outcome. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. Now turn over to the book of Psalms. Psalm chapter 2. There's another prophecy here. I just want to get this under your belt. God speaks the outcome first. Psalm 2. It says, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed saying, let us break their bonds in pieces, cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. So I guess God does look at us and is quite amused. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet, he says, I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, you are my son Today I have begotten you. Listen to that now. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. I'm going to stop right there. Now, even in the passage here I've read to you in the book of Psalms, he says in verse 7, today I have begotten you. And, And how many of you realize that on the day Jesus was begotten, it is certainly true that He was every bit as much God that moment that Mary laid him in a manger. He was certainly God and a king and Lord and all the attributes that he had at that moment that she birthed him and placed him there. And he was that very, very young child. But but how many of you also know that at that particular moment, he he had yet to receive the the nation's foreign inheritance. He had yet to go and possess the ends of the earth. He had yet to break them with a rod of iron and dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. You do realize that. He had just initially come in, but all of those things were in him, but they had not yet come to pass. So here is the first precept. God first will speak to you his intended outcome, you know, before it comes to pass. Now you say, well, okay, I I get that. Well, all right, here's what you need to get. 
If he's called you to something incredible, phenomenal, big, great, however you define that, he's going to lay a bunch of promise on you. He's going to encourage you. It's going to jazz you. It's going to buzz you. It's going to make you happy. There's going to be all sorts of feelings that will run in you when you begin to realize that God has this incredible plan for your life. But this is what he does, at least this is what I found in my own life, is he tells you all of these great things. He always declares the ultimate triumph, the ultimate victory, the ultimate outcome. He just neglects those little details in between where you are and where you're going. You know why he does that? It's because if you knew what was going on, you'd rethink that promise. If if you knew what was in between that thing being birthed or spoken and that thing ultimately coming to pass, if you knew all the little details that came in between, you would say to yourself, I'm not sure I want that promise that bad. But old God, he smiles. He speaks the end outcome. He knows in our hearts we'll yearn for that and we'll desire that. And there'll be something in us that says, I'm going after you, Lord. And of course, we always think it's going to be 24 hours later, don't we? Oh, no longer than next week. But we've got to remember that God will begin to speak things. He'll speak the end from the beginning. He'll declare the victory from the front. And you've got to get a handle on that, that when he begins to unfold promise, he will buzz your insides, he will stir your inner man, he will give you dreams and, and imaginations, godly, righteous Uh, 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 sort of imaginations as you'll begin to ponder the future and he does all that for his express purposes that you will rise up and you'll begin to pursue his promise and his, his purpose for your life that's how it starts out number one he declares the end from the beginning now let's go to number two there will be after that protracted periods of silence now this is the real hard part because you'll go through some seasons When God will speak to you all the time, it seems like God's always talking to you about something. He's always giving you impressions or thoughts, encouragement. He's giving you words. You're reading scripture and and it's speaking to you. It's saying something really important and individual to you. And wow, that's, that's neat and cool and wonderful. But can I just tell you that when he spoke the prophetic words out of Isaiah and the Psalms and he would speak out of Micah later concerning where the where the king would be born out of Bethlehem, and there's all sorts of prophecies. Do you understand that he spoke those, number one, hundreds of years in advance? And do you also understand that he allowed protracted periods of time to take place where he didn't say a word? In fact, there are 400 years between Malachi in the Old Testament and Matthew in the New Testament. 400 years. And God didn't say anything. I've often wondered, why is that, Lord? Why is it that you'll speak in a season and then it's like you'll let a season, a a lengthy season go and you won't say anything? You know, I've come to this conclusion. He allows these protracted periods of silence to take place, number one, in order to find out if you'll be obedient to what he has said. Because you know what? There's no need going any further until you say yes to what he's already spoken to you about, right? So he doesn't have to give you more info until you obey the info you got. So, so number one is I think there's obedience. Number two is I think there's a part of the Lord that wants us to begin to trust him and walk by faith. Not just by all the emotion and the excitement and the exhilaration and the buzz and the encouragement. You, you know, this is really sad and I won't pick on you, but you know, there are some people, Christian people, that they can't, they can't walk 48 hours out 
with anything with the Lord unless they're constantly being encouraged, exhorted, buzzed, jazzed, told, you know, it's okay, it's fine, it's all right. They can't go 48 hours without having some external force helping them, lifting them, and causing them to continue to sort of take little measly steps out. And and, and I just want to say this, that that if we're going to be a destined people, that if we're going to do incredible things for God, then we're going to have to arise. And we're going to have to begin to walk things out by faith and not just by sight. And we're going to have to press through some some feelings. And not just the bad feelings, but sometimes the good feelings. Because we're always looking for that good feeling, that, 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 you know, I've lost that love and feeling. I want that good feeling to come back in order for me to serve God. And God says, I don't want you serving me just based on feeling or just based on circumstance. I want you to trust me. And so he allows these protracted periods. Can I also say this? I'm just speaking as it comes to my mind and my heart. God wants to find out during these protracted silent periods if you are hungry for him. How do you know if you're hungry for God or not? How do you know if you're thirsty for the things of God? Have you ever thought about that? You know how I believe we can gauge that? It's when God isn't doing or speaking or seemingly isn't interested in us at a particular moment. And yet we'll arise and pursue him anyway. We'll jump up and say, I'm after you anyway, Lord. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're, just, if you're just performing or doing for me. I'm after you. I'm hungry and I'm thirsty and I desire you. And sometimes I think he just, he stops speaking just to kind of let us evaluate where our heart is in this matter. Do you love him or do you, do you just love the thought of where he's taking you? Do you love him or do you just love the thought of all the blessing that will come when he unveils his final plan and purpose in your life? Do you love him? Do you trust him? Are you willing to pursue him? Are you willing to obey him? Are you willing to walk according to precept when it's not fun, it's not exhilarating, when it seems like nobody else is doing that? Are you willing to do that? Because I'm here to tell you, Mary and Joseph were a unique cut, a unique breed, even in their own day and time. They were able to do that. And God was able to express a promise in their life. So number two, protracted periods. Number three, the other thing is, when does God unfold things in our life? When the time is right. Can I read something to you? Galatians 4.4. These are some that are really good for 21st century Christian people. Galatians 4.4. Underline this in your Bible. There's a great passage here. It says this. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. When the fullness of time had come. Everyone say fullness. 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 There's a a word you've heard me. You've heard me say uh, these two words for time before. There's two words in the original language. One is kairos, one is chronos. Most of us, when we think of time, we think of chronos. Chronos is measurable time. It's where we get our word chronological from. Chronological time means that, that, that you're measuring seconds, minutes, hours, days, months, years, centuries, millenniums. All of that is chronological time. And so whenever we hear about time, we always think in those terms, we think chronos. And, and the thing... And again, I, I've taught on this before, and some of you will remember, but this is a reminder for many of you, that, that when it comes to God 
dealing in our life, God is unaffected by time. Can I just remind you that when he originally created Adam and Eve, he didn't create them to function under Kronos. Because the only reason you and I function under chronological time is because we have a birth date and a death date, right? And because there's this death date, barring the coming of the Lord, if Jesus comes, obviously we're out of here. But, but if, if life proceeds just like it's supposed to proceed and there's this death date out here, there's going to be a moment that you and I will cease to biologically exist and, and this life, as we know it, will be over. And because of that, we function under a, a chronos. We function under a, a, a chronology because there's only X amount of time between where I am and where ultimately I'm going to be when I die. There's only an X amount of time that's going to happen and, and it's finite and it's limited. And in my mind, if God's going to do something in my life, then it seems to me it would behoove him to get going with the program. Because the sooner he gets it going in my life, the more he'll get to enjoy it as it's being expressed through me. Is that not true? That's how we think. Sure it is. Why would God wait? Why would God wait another decade or two to do something in our life when if he were to do that today, he could have, he could have 10 or 20 years to enjoy me working in his kingdom, doing what he called me ultimately to do. It seems to me that would make a whole lot more sense. But you've got to understand... Kronos was never God's intention. When Adam and Eve were created, they were created to live forever. There was no death date out for them originally. And so they were going to live forever. So when God created the first human beings, he didn't create them to function under Kronos. Do you understand that our original design and intent as human beings was to never worry about time? Now that's all we do is worry about time. Will there be time? Will there be enough time? Will there be enough time to... Do all my Christmas shopping. Will there be enough time for me to get everything done that's getting done? I, I don't have enough time. There's too much work to be done. And I don't know that there's enough hours in a day for me to get it all done. We're always worrying about time. We want to make sure we're in, the, we're in the, the fastest supermarket line in order that we can get through there the quickest because we want to save time. Everything is about time. And the reason time is important to us all is because we're going to die out there somewhere. And if I don't hurry up and get something done, I, I won't make the most, right, of my time. And surely God would want me to make the most of my time. Can, can I just say this, that when Adam and Eve sinned and they brought death into the equation, they brought Kronos into the whole universe. Are you with me? So, so your need for speed... And my need is actually the curse. Me thinking God has to do it tomorrow, at least by next week, is really functioning under the curse. God doesn't function like that. He functions when everything is right. That word kairos actually means, both words, chronos and kairos, are both translated time. But chronos means measurable time. Kairos means when everything's in order. When, when, when the time is right. In other words, there are, there's measurable time, and we think the time's right tomorrow, but not because everything's in order. We think it's tomorrow because it just makes sense. It's more economical. When God says time has absolutely nothing to do with it, the Lord says a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. Glory to God. Isn't that good news? 
So when the Lord speaks to you and says, I'm going to do it in a day, keep it in context, okay? But that's the way the Lord is. He, he wants to fulfill his promise, but he will do it when everything is right and when everything is in order. That is why, listen to me, that is why you need to not expend all your energy wondering why it hasn't happened, when's it going to happen, it ought to be happening, I don't get why God isn't getting me there. You need to be putting your life in order. You need to be letting God work in your life and designing your life and fulfilling your life and putting things in their proper perspective in your life because he ain't going to throw you the car keys until you're 16 or 18 or 21. You aren't going to get the promise until life is in order. Because if he throws to you his promise and you're not in order, all you do is perpetuate his promise in your dysfunctionality. He waited when Jesus came along till the fullness, the Bible says, the fullness of time. Now, I don't know that I would have chosen this particular time period. But for some reason, the Lord looked in the earth and he said, now is the time. There's the right Caesar. There's the right rulers. I found the right teenager. I've got the right husband i've got the right language i've got the right context everything is just like i need it to be therefore i can release my promise when it's all in order and you got to understand that's what god's doing in your life right now and and, and this is this is i firmly believe this I, i don't believe we can make anything come to us quicker than god perhaps has designed it but i can tell you this we sure enough can make it longer by our reluctance to allow him to cause us to step into fullness and all that he wants to produce and bring order to in our life. So you got to keep that in mind. Let's go to the next one, number four. When God brings his promise to pass, he's going to do it in a very unconventional way. Man, I've seen this so many times. People will have a destiny, they'll have a vision, they'll have a promise, a purpose from God, and and they'll have it all mapped out in their mind. Oh, I know he'll do it this way. This is how I know God will do it. You you know why we do that? It's because what we say is, is that God, if you did it this way, this makes sense. All right, write this one down too. The phrase, this makes sense, is not a kingdom phrase. I, I, I defy you, find it in the Bible. This makes sense. Well, doesn't it make sense? Can you imagine, can you imagine if, if you're Mary and, and God supernaturally causes you to be with child, to be pregnant, and Mary comes marching home to mom and dad and says, Mom, Dad, guess what? I'm pregnant. Don't worry about it. It's God. That makes sense, right? Oh, yeah, well, it does now to us 2,000 years later and our minds have been redeemed and renewed and washed by the water of the word. All that stuff makes sense now to us because there's revelation with regards to that. But I'm here to tell you, that don't make sense. That's the most unconventional thing I've ever heard of. And God will do unconventional things. Now, listen to me. I'm not saying you have to promote or try to do something that's unconventional. You know, I've met people all through my years of serving God who think that they've got to somehow you know, propagate their unconventionality. I mean, they're going to do everything they can just to be weird and kooky and crazy and blame God for it. Believe me, if you just serve God and follow him, you'll have enough of that come along that you won't have to try to make any more of it. 
But you need to realize that God's going to do some very unconventional things. And if all your life is about making sure everything makes sense, it is in perfect logical, rational order, everything seems reasonable to me, if your whole life is based on those attributes and features, you're going to miss how God may express his promise in your life. Now again, I'm not saying be crazy for crazy's sake. And I understand that there's an appropriate place of, of, of looking at a situation and evaluating it and trying to make a quality decision. I'm not, I'm not just throwing all this stuff out the window. But I also know, because I've walked with God long enough, that he does just crazy things. I mentioned this at AmendsNet not long ago when I told them, and Trace, you'll remember this. When we were living in Ohio, we had a call from a, a superintendent of the denomination we were a part of. And he wanted us to come to South Carolina. And if I were to get you in a bus right now, I could drive you. We are within, and I don't want people to start thinking where it is or what it is, but I'm, I'm here to tell you, it wouldn't take us but just a few minutes to get to the place years ago, in 1985, somewhere in there, to come to South Carolina. But no, no, that didn't make sense to me. No, I wanted to go to California. That makes sense. Yeah, and I went to California, and that was the biggest mistake of my life. And, and to make a long story short, it's not, not amazing. You can, go, you can go 16, 17, 19 years later. I, I, I can't add it up in my mind right now. And here you are at a place that God originally probably wanted me to be there 20 years ago. Now, this is really interesting because when you begin to add it up, you say to yourself, well, well, you know, why didn't you or how didn't you? And we can go through all of that. But truth of the matter is, you know, you go across the country, you go back across the country. That's not the conventional way of doing things. But if your heart's after God, praise God, you can get to where you're supposed to be. He'll bring it around. So he'll do that in very unconventional ways. Everything about the Christmas story to me is unconventional. I mean, it's just not the way we would have stacked it up. People thought Jesus would come as a king. Instead, God sent him as a baby. Unconventional. Go to number five. It's very similar. It produces paradoxical feelings. Your promise, your purpose will produce paradoxical feelings. What do I mean? I mean this, that, that there were shepherds in the fields watching their flock by night, and they hear the announcement that the promise of God is arriving. And the Bible says at first they feared because they saw the manifestation of angels. But the angels said, fear not. You know, be of joy. I'm bringing to you good news. And it produced enough excitement in them that they got up from where the sheep were and went to go see and worship the Christ child. And so there was joy in the shepherds. There was joy with Mary and Joseph. There were these incredible, exhilarating, exciting feelings. The wise, wise men, the magi, left, traveled conceivably a thousand miles on camels in order to go and worship the Lord. And, and so there were all these in, in, incredibly wonderful emotions that were being exhibited. But yet at the same time, there was Herod, who was full of fear, full of anxiety and concern, just full of all sorts of, of negative emotions as to what this would mean for his future and his kingdom. And so whenever a promise, particularly your promise, comes to pass, you just need to be aware right off the bat that some people will be your greatest cheerleaders. They'll cheer you on and, and they'll be an encourager and they'll tell you to go for it. Hallelujah, praise God, I'm with you, I'll pray for you, I want the best for you, I'm excited for you, but you also need to realize there's going to be a group of people that will be your bucket brigade. 
And they'll look at you and say that you're crazy, you're foolish. They'll try to sow fear into you, tell you it can't be done, it ought not be done, it shouldn't be done. And there's going to be this whole myriad of paradoxical feelings that are going to begin to arise and manifest all around you there there are going to be people who will tell you go for it we love you we're with you we'll stand we'll believe and there are going to be others that'll be around you that'll say throw in the towel give it up you're never going to do it and it's just it's not for you you had a pizza it's not the voice of the lord it just it 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 always comes and you're going you're gonna to have to navigate your way and begin to move your way through that with the help of the Lord in order to begin to keep your eyes on his will for your life. Amen? Go to number six. There will be misunderstanding by the religious elite. Whenever God's doing something in your life and and you begin to say it's the lord and and god's doing this thing and i'm believing him for it and you're walking it out and you're being faithful just like at the time of jesus it's interesting that the very people you know jesus would later say these words which are really remarkable when you think about it He, he he would say i have not come for the samaritan or the gentile i've i've not come for anyone else but rather i've only come for the lost sheep of the house of israel those were his very words he said it twice He said it once in Matthew 10 and once in Matthew 15. He told the disciples literally at that time, he said, don't you go anywhere else. Don't you preach this gospel to anyone else. I only want you to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I remember the first time I really started getting a hold of that. I thought to myself, in other words, Jesus was saying, don't mess with don't mess with Kevin. Most of you here, I don't know that we may have some Jewish folk here today, and that's wonderful if that's your background, but by and large, most of us are Gentile. Do you understand what he's saying? He's saying, don't don't mess with those Gentiles. But here's what happened, and it started the moment he was born, the moment that promise began to be expressed, that those that had a spirit of religion in them couldn't get it. They didn't get it. They didn't want it. It didn't come packaged like they thought it was going to be packaged. They, 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 they didn't see what they thought they were going to see. They didn't hear what they wanted to hear. It, everything wasn't produced like they thought it ought to be produced. And what happened was that because of that, they missed the very people Jesus wanted to reach and do something incredible in. The same people that had the seed literally of Abraham flowing in their veins. These same people God wanted to do something extraordinary through said, ah, we don't see it and we don't get it. Therefore, we don't really want it. And what he had to do was he had to, the Bible would say in Matthew 21 later, he would transfer the fruit of the kingdom to a nation that would begin to produce. Praise God. And you know what that meant? It meant that he was looking in the future and he saw a Kevin Baird or a Tracy or a Clay or he saw a Hardy or he saw a Tim or he saw any of you that are in this room. I could name all of your names. He saw you and he said, praise God, I can transfer the power and the promise and the purpose of my kingdom into these people here and they'll produce with it. They will produce with it because they didn't get snagged by religion. They didn't get snagged just by the the religious thing. They were open to what God was doing and how he was expressing it even in brand new ways in the earth. And you need to realize that'll come with your promise. You'll share it with people who say they love God. They'll say that they're serving Jesus and you'll share that promise and they'll be your bucket brigade. They'll try to extinguish it and tell you it's not God. 
But you just need to understand that's how it unfolds. Those are the challenges that begin to happen. And finally, number seven, there will be undeniable supernatural interventions as God begins to unfold that promise in your life. Isaiah 46, verse 8. Isaiah 46, verse 8. It says this, Remember this and show yourselves, men. Recall to mind, O you transgressors, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. In fact, we ought to just read on. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. You know, when we get to the first of the year, probably, you know, the last Sunday of 2006 is December 31st. And, and I'm going to probably be preaching on a passage that's going to tell us to forget what's behind and go forward to what's ahead. And, and so, so we will find verses in the Bible that tell us that we're to forget what's behind us. Just forget it. Don't remember it. But this is one of those passages that God uses where he pauses and he's not contradicting himself. But you have to understand what he's saying when he says remember. He says, I want you to remember that, that I'm the God who speaks the end from the beginning. I'm things that call those things that be not as though they were. I'm the one that will bring to pass that which I have declared to be a promise for you. I will say those things. And, and I want you to remember how, and this is the remembering part. This is a good remembering part. He said, I want you to remember how I did that in times past. How many of you have seen, just by way of testimony, how many of you have seen this morning? Sometime in your life, a promise that God gave to you, and maybe just a little one, maybe not the major one yet, but maybe just a smaller promise, an ancillary promise. But you've seen God perform in your life or, or move in your life or, or bring to pass a promise that you know that he gave to you, but he, but he manifested it and you've seen some of those promises. Anybody here but me? I mean, I know, you, I would hope just about everybody would have begun to see some things already begin to happen in that form. This is what God's saying. He's saying, don't camp at that place and just set up shop and never move from that moment. But he's saying, I want you to remember. I want you to remember how I moved in that moment. I want you to remember how I worked in that moment. I want you to remember the things that I accomplished. And not only that, but remember maybe your anxieties and your concerns and your worries. Why don't you try to remember about 24 hours before I actually came through for you and recall exactly what you were saying and thinking at that particular moment, not knowing what exactly was going to happen just 24 hours later. Bring that to mind again and begin to remember that the same God who did that for you in that instance is the very same God that will do it again. The same God that opened doors and unfolded promise and intervened with his hand or spoke his word or did the miracle he is the same god that can do that in this promise that you have yet to see come to pass and i'm here to declare to you god is in the business of doing miracles and i believe we're going to head into a season where we're going to see some of the greatest miracles from the hand of god that we have ever seen because he will do what he has to do in order to bring his promise to pass Remember, this isn't your promise. If this is just about your wish list and you've just treated God like a big Santa Claus and that's all you've thrown out there is what you want, then you need to repent, break it, begin to say, God, what, what do you want in my life? What is your design for my life? It's the only real fulfillment and contentment I'm ever going to have anyway. 
And when you begin to believe that and embrace that and say, God, bring that to pass in my life. God gave his son on a cross to die for you in order to express his will in your life. He didn't waste Jesus on a cross. He gave us the Lord in order that we might receive him, in order that we might express all that he is and what he has in the earth. He sealed it with that cross. And that's why Jesus is the first fruit of many. He can do it. I've told this story before. Just bear with me. I guess since I'm the pastor, I can just tell whatever story I want as many times as I want, I guess. It's my service, and I guess I'll just do what I want to do, right? I've told the story about my youngest daughter, and I won't give you all the details, except that Tracy had gone to, to a ladies' meeting years ago. And while she was at the ladies' meeting, there was a prophetess that was there, a fairly, fairly notable name. You would probably, some of you instantly know the name if we mentioned it. What's really interesting is that there, there was a season in our life that we could sit on the back row of the church we could hide and god would find us i mean i mean they'd run us down somehow or another it just it was weird it, i mean if it, if it wasn't god you just say it was weird and she's in the back of the auditorium and i she wasn't even in the line that was being ministered to and the prophetess called her up and began to prophesy and and that was the first word we ever got concerning the birth of Calen who's now, as you know, 11 years old. And, and uh, Trace knew that when she got that word, that that would be a real interesting interaction that she would have with me when she would come home after that weekend because she knew that as far as I was concerned, the baby shop was closed. We were done. I had two boys. I was happy. They were wonderful guys. And, and I just figured, you know, we're done, Lord. Got two, and, you know, my quiver isn't that big, so they fill it up, and that's just the way I, I'd kind of seen it. Now, Hear me now, hear me. This is what's interesting because it takes years sometimes to evaluate all of these things. It was in that season of my life that, that I had a lot of opportunity to go out and, and, and speak to a lot of congregations, different churches, and I'd talk about the promise of God and the plans of God and the purpose of God and I'd prophesy the future over people and speak the end from the beginning and oh yeah, you know, and, and God's man full of faith and power. Look people in the eye, declare the wildest things you could ever imagine over their life and look at them and say, yeah, you can do it. Be full of faith. <laughs> Go after it and yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden God hits me. You know, it's amazing how fun it is to watch other people. But you know, when it comes to your own doorstep, boy, that's a whole nother story. And I didn't get it totally at the time that, that here I am declaring promise and God all of a sudden says, well, let's see how well you do with the promise. And I'll be honest with you, at first probably didn't do all that well. Remember Trace came home with a little cassette tape and said, you need to hear this. <laughs> she, she needed me to hear that because there were probably about, you know, 500 women that were going to tell me about it the next day, you know, at church, so... So she let me hear it and she had tears coming down her face and I can remember, I, I can remember just struggling as I was listening. Knowing, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one, but I just knowing that I heard the voice of God and the whole time struggling with it. 
we can finally go to a restaurant. God, God, no diapers, man. I'll just leave it at that, okay? I just, man, I struggled. Because my, 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 my world, are you with me? Was getting rocked. Sometimes God will rock your world. Because it's yours. And he wants you in his. And I can remember in all the things that I've talked about this morning, I can say it's so very true. I had everything, every one of those seven points that I've just mentioned to you. I mean the paradoxical feelings, the unconventionalness of everything that took place. I could, I could talk about how God spoke the end from the beginning. I, I, I could just share with you all of the, the things that happened. Just, it just one by one, they just all fell into place as, as this event began to unfold in our life. And, and for those of you that don't know, let me just tell you this, that, that Tracy eventually uh, got pregnant. But what happened was about nine to ten weeks into that pregnancy, there was a, there was a miscarriage that took place. And, and again, those things happen. I was, I was told by the doctors, you know, the statistical information as to how often it happens. And of course, they're doctors. They see these things, I guess, happen fairly frequently. And so to them, it was just, well, you know, it happens and we're sorry and you'll heal and get better and you can try again. And that was sort of their view of the whole thing. But for me, it was, it, it was super deep for her because being the woman and, and the investment you have in your own body with that. But but I will say this, even for me, there was something that happened in me that just, that, that, that I needed to happen because God worked me over. Because it, he didn't say this, but it was like all of a sudden I came to this awareness at that moment that all of my hard-headedness and all of my stick my heels in the ground and being drugged on this issue and all of my flippancy and my words and, and the things that I would say, all of that came to a focal point in me and there was something in me that felt like I had killed it. I had killed it. And I, and I actually, I had to get prayer over that because I, 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 that's how I felt. And praise God, Tracy got pregnant again. You've heard the story, we were at 9, 10, 11 weeks, somewhere in there. They did the ultrasound and they couldn't find that fetal pole. They couldn't find the heartbeat. And I can remember the doctor looking at us saying, it's a bad pregnancy again. We'll go ahead and schedule the DNC. And that time we looked at each other and we said, no, before we do that, we're going to think about this and we're going to talk. Is there any harm that will come to Trace if we were to wait a few days? And he said, no, there probably wouldn't be any harm, but you can't put this off very long. So we, we talked and we prayed and we had others lay hands and we prayed. And this is one of those times that I finally, you know, sometimes I can be hard-headed and I won't get it, but there's one thing... I do believe I have in my life that if you slap me around hard enough and long enough, that I'll finally wake up. I'm just praying, Lord, Lord, give me, give me the ability to wake up quicker than I did in days past. But I woke up. We spoke life to that promise. And we went back in and they sonogrammed her. And all of a sudden, lo and behold, there's that little fetal pole. And that was Kaylin. So we called her Kaylin Rama that which the Lord has spoken. And I can remember years later talking to a guy who told us, he said that was, he was an OBGYN and he told us, he said that was an absolute supernatural intervention as to what God did. You literally had life raised up inside of you. 
And of course, Kaylin has been a joy to our house. She's, she's our reminder of a promise. Well, you know what? You all have a promise. God has big things, great things for you. And, and can I just share this with you? The enemy certainly wants to extinguish that. But folks, we extinguish more than we know. We stop, we personally stop more of what God wants to do than the enemy ever does. And sometimes it's just by simple ignorance as to how he unfolds a promise in our life. And this morning, I guess what I want to leave you with is not only the account of the Christmas story, but also the realization that just as God brought to pass in the birth of his son, his ultimate promise of redemption, God wants to bring to pass through him as the first fruit of many, and as the guarantor of all the promises being yes and amen, he wants to bring to pass his promise in your life too. Do you believe that? Do you, I mean, do you really believe that? Come on now, not just believe that it's a truth, but to believe that that's your truth. To not just say it's, it's about getting something, you know, you wanted, you know, you wanted, you know, something big glitzy a new toy a new house a new this or a new that but but you're wanting the promise that god has for you in his kingdom to be expressed you believe that if you'll believe it he'll put all the resources of heaven on your side to help bring that to pass amen if you'll understand how that unfolds stand with me will you thank you lord we honor you, sir. We bless you this morning. Thank you, Lord. Just right where you are right now, just close your eyes for just a moment. And imagine yourself as you're standing in this place with however many there are with us this morning. But imagine yourself for just one moment. You're all alone and you're all by yourself. And you're before God right now. I want you, I want you first to let him begin to unveil again his promises and future to your heart and to your life. It'll bring you hope and it'll bring encouragement. I'm not saying it'll be a new word. For some of you, it's not a new word. You just need to have some light shed on that which God has spoken. And maybe some time has passed. Maybe you would say this morning, you know, I remember God speaking a decade ago some things that he wanted to do in my heart and life. But 10 years, Pastor, 10 years 10 years, I just hadn't heard much and not much has happened or transpired. 10 years, it's just a real long time. Do you know what? On God's calendar, 10 years. Well, you know, that's about mid-morning. Are you with me? Mid-morning. Why did God wait 90 years with Abraham and Sarah before he brought the promise to pass in their life I, I you know we will have a lot of interesting questions won't we but the truth of the matter is that god is a restorer of the years he is a redeemer of the time it does not matter if you're a teenager here this morning or if you would consider yourself a senior saint i'm here to tell you that god is right on time maybe not early but he won't be late and he's unfolding his great and precious promises in this hour. And oh, his, his heart is, don't, don't trip, don't get sidetracked, don't, don't extinguish that which he's wanting to do. Stay on target, understand what's going on around you right now. No, no, 
if there's a contending, know that. If people are, are throwing buckets of cold water on that flame, know what's going on. If, if, if unconventional things are happening, you might be right smack in the center of His will. If you've got all these different feelings flying here, there, and everywhere, that just seems to be the atmosphere of His promise. Just remember how He sent His Son. And if He do it for His Son, who is the first fruit of many, He'll do it for you that same way. I'm going to pray right now. Father, I ask You right now to bring encouragement to these people. Lord, I've said this before and I'll say it again. That if we could if we could have eyes that could somehow measure promise per square inch, there's a lot of it that exists in this room this morning. Promise. Everyone say promise. I want you to say I am. Promise. Because God said so. Lord, let that ignite again this morning. Lord, our promise isn't found under a Christmas tree. Our promise isn't found just in the expressions of generosity and gift giving and all that has its place. But Lord, our promise is in you. And I pray right now that this season, even as we practice and participate in, in, those, in those events of gift giving and expressions of love and generosity, Lord, help us every time we hand that gift to that person help us to understand that that's just a a physical illustration of you wanting to hand a promise to each one of us free of charge i'll say it again every good and perfect gift comes from the father above in him there is no variation or shadow of turning lord you have committed yourself by the blood of Jesus Christ himself to bring to pass your goodwill and your promises in the life of your people. Lord, I break every detouring force right now in the name of Jesus. I, I, I come against every speculation in every person in this room right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I just declare a focusing on what your will and heart is in our lives and as it's expressed in the earth. Lord, let us once again arise and understand that we were created for greater things. We were created for kingdom purposes. Lord, we weren't created just to, to live and exist and breathe and, and somehow take up space, but we were created to give glory to God and to worship God and to serve you and to be a solution in the earth, an answer and not a part of the problem. Lord, you've, you've called us to demonstrate your goodness in the midst of a hostile world. Lord, I pray right now that you would begin to unfold that in each and every person here this morning. Lord, we honor you. We honor you. We sense, we sense the future, that the future is great. We sense that as the calendar turns, that, that Lord, you're going to be saying and speaking some things to us and you're going to bring the next chapter to our life. You're going to bring the next piece of the puzzle. You're going to be bringing the, 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 that next element as to what we need in order that we might be complete and in order so that the fullness of time might come to us. Come on now. Think about that. Dwell on that. God's doing some things in you personally right now. For some
some of you, he's causing you to walk in a greater dimension of faith. For some of you, he's challenging you with issues of sacrifice, stick-to-itiveness, faithful. He's challenging you with forgiveness and love and He's challenging you with all sorts of things. And you know why he's doing that? Is that he's, he's getting you in order. He's putting it in order. In order that the fullness of time can come. And he can say, here you go, you're ready. You're ready. You're going to go in to my promise and you're ready. You're ready to express it and enjoy it. As I wanted it to be in your life. I hope that helps you. You might understand why you are where you are right now. But God's getting ready to turn the corner for you. Come on now. Embrace what he's doing in your life right now. Embrace it. I, we all struggle with challenges in our life. But some of those challenges are not the enemy. It's God putting things in order. Come on now. Yet discernment and understand. Some of those things are going on for you right now. Lord, I pray right now that you would carefully watch over every promise that exists in this room this morning. That you would tend to that, even as you tended to your son, as he was that first fruit. Lord, I pray right now that each and every one of us would somehow feel that sense of security and confidence that you are watching over your word to perform it. Do that, Lord, I pray. This is what I want to ask you right now, right where you're standing. I want you to begin right now, if you're needing to, to be renewed, make some commitments maybe you maybe you put some things on the shelf and you just said you know i've kind of put that on the shelf and i just kind of let it set there and I, and maybe you're needing to take that promise off the shelf and let it begin to nurture and mature inside of you again you need to do that this morning you need to let god do what he's doing right now with every head bowed and every eye closed i, I i'm not gonna i'm not gonna ask i'm not gonna have people come forward this morning Right now, you can be honest with me. If God's dealing with you, working on you in this area of promise and destiny, I want you just to say, yes, Lord, lift your hand. Come on now, just say it to the Lord. Yes, Lord, you're working on me. I, I got it. I'm getting it right now in my system. I'm getting what you're doing in me right now. There are probably a hundred plus hands or more hands up right now. And God is uniquely messing with you right now. But it's a good messing with you. He's, he's igniting and he's re in us right now. Deal with us right now. We respond to you, oh God. We respond to you this morning. And we say, oh Lord, we're with you. We're with you. Do your work. Do your will. Express, express your plan. Lord, in my life, in our life, express it, Lord. Yes. Put, put some words to your commitments this morning. Sing it. 
tenacity and my faithfulness and everything you've touched on for me individually I'm committing to you now I'm not going to sing a lie but out of my mouth speaks the truth in my life be lifted up in my world be lifted up in my love be lifted up. Lord, I renew that commitment now. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Can you give the Lord a hand? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can you sing? Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Let encouragement begin to well up now. Let the encouragement of the Lord. Don't wait for someone else earthly to encourage you. Learn the encouragement of the Lord. Let, Lord, let the Lord's Spirit, the Spirit of God, begin to encourage you right now. Just breathe Him in right now and let it encourage you and lift you up and fill you up and give you hope and renew your perspective and realize, uh, yeah, Philippians 1, 6 says that He who hath begun a good work will be faithful to complete it. Isn't that cool? That what he starts, he finishes. There are no loose ends. There are no pieces to pick up that if you'll follow him, what he gets started, he will bring to completion. Praise God. Father, let that be a source of great encouragement to your people this morning. Lord, I know as much as I may love them and care about them, Lord, you exponentially love them more care about them beyond any human being so lord i pray right now that that would be unveiled to them in a special way that this week would be a great week that they would find themselves so purposed and so encouraged that it would not only fill them up but that it would be overflowing and that it would just touch other people and start messing other people up too with the purposes of god and lord i bless them keep them safe as we move through this season protect them and Lord, cause us all just to go all out for you, I pray in Jesus' name. One more time, amen. amen. Give the Lord the last hand clap this morning for him. Hallelujah.
Praise God. Praise God. Hey, fellowship with each other. Hug a couple necks again. Shake a few hands. I'm so glad you were here today. Be blessed. Enjoy the day and your release. God bless you.